Welcome to That Sacral Mm-hmm Podcast, the show where we get intimate with our human designs in order to guide ourselves towards our most pleasurable life and leadership. One of my favorite things and one of the things that make my sacral go mm-hmm is watching leaders like you claim their embodied legacies. From vulnerable shares and learning lessons to expert advice offered through the HD lens, I hope you find something here that you can take along with you on your journey to creating yours. The world needs more leaders dripping in their vitality and serving their mission from the overflow. Your time is now. Welcome to the space, and without further ado, let's jump in. Welcome back, my loves, to That Sacral Mm-hmm, the show where we talk about all the things lighting my sacral up. Today, what I want to talk about is something that has always really lit me up about being a human design coach and a human design reader, is that I get to introduce the juicy topic of human design integration into the conversation. And this is one of the most important things that you will learn on your human design journey. So whether you are a beginner or you are someone who is more advanced, this conversation is going to be for you. And this is really one of my sweet spots when it comes to coaching and um, reading human design charts is that I'm less about the intellectualization of the human design system and more about the actual experimentation of that. Can you hear the three in my in my profile coming out in my voice right now? Like I am so excited by the idea that we have this framework that we can play with and change and um, you know experiment with in order to find our own journey with the system. And this is a different concept to a lot of people because of the fact that human design is a system in and of itself that categorizes and labels and provides lexicon to you. So many people just take it for what it is and never really challenge it, um, utilizing it in the same way as it was when it was created and never really expanding upon it in their own way. But the issue with that, the issue with having a system where all of the information that's provided to you about yourself is coming from outside of you is that we can get into the trap of just simply learning the information, memorizing the information, but not actually learning how to apply it in our everyday lives. So one of the main things that I focus on in my coaching and in my reader um, or my readings is to invite the person that's at the other side of the table to really feel excited and inspired to get messy with their human design experiment to actually feel the journey in their body rather than just bringing forth the information from, like I said, the intellectual lens. When your focus is on just simply knowing the information rather than feeling the information in your own individual body, you can get into this trap of utilizing the human design system as a rule book or as parameters for um, the way you're meant to move in the world. Um, these limitations provided from this relationship with the system can continuously knock you into your not-self theme. So even by trying to live in alignment through understanding your human design, you're actually doing the opposite and pushing yourself into the avenue that is the least aligned for you. At its core, at its intention, human design is really meant to be a empowerment tool to remind you that all the answers are already inside of you. All of the answers live within your body um, and that you were born with them. 
But sometimes people can relate to the system in a toxic way or rely on the system in a, in a codependent way even um, that makes them feel like they're limited or that they are sequestered into this one way of being and that they can't move outside of those lines. You know, and this is not only specifically for human design. This is for many other systems like Enneagram and um, astrology and, you know, the DISC assessment. I think that we see these labels, we see these frameworks and we say, oh, this is how I am. This is just how I am. And um, we use it as a crutch for limitation or we use it as a explanation as to why it is that we can't have what we want or why it is that we can't do what we want. But it's just not true. One of my favorite human design creators, Rachel from Pure Generators, she says, and I so agree with this, that human design is less about the what and it's more about the how. So it's not the limitations about what you're able to do. It's just the background information about how you're meant to do it. And I take that argument further and just say, what good is knowing the how if you don't actually put that into action, if you don't actually begin to integrate that within your body? Because knowing the how and feeling the how are two completely separate things. I cannot tell you how many times I have met with or worked with someone who is well-versed in their human design, who knows everything that they need to know at this point of their journey, whether they're, you know, years into their experiment or, you know, months into their experiment, but who haven't bridged that gap between mind and body. There's this chasm between those two things, this disconnect between those two things that just leaves them feeling really stuck and immobile. So if you're a client listening to this, you know I have some weird-ass metaphors um, that come up. And this is one that's just coming up in my mind right now, so I'm just going to go with it. So let's say you are a basketball player and someone is teaching you how to shoot a three-pointer. They tell you where your feet need to be in order for it to count for three points. They tell you how you need to line up your hands on the ball, what type of force you need, what type of jump you need, different things like that. They're explaining everything to you. And it gives you this beautiful understanding of the step-by-step process of you know, how to shoot a three-pointer. But what happens is when you get into the game and someone passes you that ball, you haven't actually gotten into the rhythm, the muscle memory in order to bring that step-by-step into fruition, into actual action. And this is why there are so many fans, me included. I mean, let's be honest, basketball is like the one thing that I know, the one sport that I've like, I really enjoy watching and I know most of the rules too. But I have no, I I know for a fact, let's just say this, I know for a fact that if you put me on the court, if you pulled me off the stadium and, uh, you know, out of my seat and brought me down to the court and you said, shoot a three-pointer and you'll win $5 million, I would say with 99.9% certainty that I would miss that shot. (laughs) Because there's a difference between knowing something and being able to actually flow with something. There's a difference between knowing the steps and being able to follow the steps, right? So is this how we are relating to our human design? It's important to interrogate that within ourselves and to invite ourselves into transparency around this and just say, you know, are we taking this from a logical lens or are we actually inviting ourselves to play and experiment with it? 
because we all call human design the human design experiment, but I know a lot of people that are afraid to actually experiment, to actually, you know, utilize human design as a hypothesis rather than as a proven system that cannot be, um, you know, changed or and is not malleable. So um, it's so important to just be like, am I am I taking this as the truth or am I taking this as something that is inviting me into a deeper connection to the truth. And I think the reason why I'm so open and I've always been so open to playing and experimenting with the system um, is really because when I started working with human design, I was at a baseline that was um, putting me at a disadvantage from relating to the information because of the fact that Um, We'll talk about this later, but my body was just so burnt out that the sensations weren't coming online. And um, so I've got people telling me what it is that my body's supposed to be feeling. And ultimately, like, I can see the glimmer of truth in that. But ultimately, I need to get back into connection, back into resonance in order to actually know if that's true. And this set me out on a journey to understand human design as a question that I got to answer rather than an answer that was already provided to me. Um, And so I think that's why I'm so passionate about teaching people to do the same because I know the information in my human design is correct and it's correct for me. And I also know that it's not a sentence for um, how my life is going to play out. I get to manipulate the information and utilize it to my best interest like yes I'm a manifesting generator yes I'm meant to respond but it's not like I'm just waiting around for things to happen it's not like I am just waiting for something to respond to I'm engaging with my response I'm engaging with the sensation of response and the sacral pull that comes with response each and every day and because of that when things do come into my um, environment that are asking me for a response, I'm ready. I know what the sensations are that I'm looking for. I have that muscle memory to take it into the next step. And my nervous system is accustomed to the sacral pull that is leading me towards, you know, my desires. So in this episode, we are going to learn a few ways that you can play with human design. And I'll give you a couple prompts to step into integration, step past the intellectual level and into the somatic level um, when working with their human design. One of the first places that my clients and I always begin with is to take a look at the language, the words, the things that are described within the human design system and to get curious with how those things make your body feel. So checking in with yourself around the words that are associated with your self-theme, your not-self-theme, your strategy, your, um, you know, your profile, your variables, whatever it may be, and to check in with yourself. Do these things resonate? Do these things feel true for me? And um, what sensations are actually being provided by my body? And this may be a checkpoint for you to begin to ask yourself, you know, what level of sensation do I actually feel within my body? Am I able to differentiate between one, one sensation and another? Because if you're anything like me at the beginning of my human design journey, I had burnt myself out so deeply and I had disconnected myself so deeply from my body that 
Sensation was really hard for me to come by. It was really hard for me to define and to differentiate between, you know, multiple sensations. Um, I basically was, I basically was a floating head. Like I just had no resonance with my body. And so if you're like me and you're struggling with sensation, um, to be able to even like identify what words resonate best with you and the sensations that you feel in your body, that's just a cue to step into a reconnecting process with your body and a building of trust with your body. Um, so slow down a little bit, check in with yourself about your level of connection to your body. And then from there, you can begin the process of redefining the words that are associated with your human design um, body graph. Because let's say human design as a system tells you that your self-theme, the sensation that is going to tell you if you're in alignment or not, is satisfaction. And you take a look at the word satisfaction and you check in with your body. What does satisfaction feel like in my body? And it provides a sensation that you know is not related to your alignment, that you know is not related to your sacral yes, because um, satisfaction is uh, the theme of a sacral being. What we know then is that there's a disconnect between the word that's provided and the sensation that's provided. So maybe we need to redefine what that sensation is and you know rename what that sensation is in our own way. So maybe instead of satisfaction, you feel um, bliss. Maybe that's the word that resonates for you. That is totally okay to own that word and to utilize that word on your journey. We're basically just looking for the sensation rather than the word. I've seen how just this simple permission slip can transform a person's relationship with their human design and transform how they relate to their human design. So I always want to share that. You can create your own language around your body graph. You don't have to prescribe to the ways that um, the system is laid out before you. Um, and it's so important that you don't because if human design is a system that upholds that everybody is individual, but we are creating words that and saying that everybody has to use those same words, it's there's a disconnect there. So my my role as a coach is to help you find your own language and to help you create that language in relationship and in collaboration with your body. For example, if you know anybody that speaks a different language or if you yourself speak a second language, you know that expressing the full depth of your emotion is so much easier in your own native language because you're not trying to take this, you know, plethora of information and you know, funnel it into maybe one word. You have multiple different words that you can pick from in order to um, find the thing that actually describes what it is that you're feeling. The same thing goes with your human design. When you try to take the plethora of information that's coming from your sensations and funnel it into, you know, the five words that are provided to you that actually aren't related to or in resonance with you, but are rather something that someone outside of you gave to you, um, you're cutting yourself off from deeper understanding within yourself. So here's some ways that you can start to play and to actually create your own dictionary. This is something that I do within my uh, coaching programs, and I love, I love the idea of creating your own language within your human design experiment. Um, but if you're working on your own and you want some ways to begin this process, 
I would almost have you reverse engineer and to most and to take some time to be a witness to the sensations that are naturally arising within your body first and then you know getting curious about those things and how you would um, name those things for yourself so maybe like taking a week or taking a month to just simply notice the sensations that are coming up within your body and then as you're noticing those things slowing down and questioning you know if I was going to name this sensation um, you know what would I name it what what word feels in resonance with this sensation and then you'll notice that that sensation may come up more and more and more as you allow time to go on and you can notice those patterns of oh I feel this sensation when you know x y and z is happening I feel this sensation when I'm doing this I feel this sensation when I'm confronted with this and um, then you begin to be able to say oh okay this sensation this word is actually how I feel when I'm in alignment or this sensation this word word is actually how I feel when I am using my strategy or my authority Um, and basically you're just building your own lexicon uh, from what's naturally occurring within your life another way that you could do this is to actually get into conversation with your body so slowing down and asking your body questions evoking sensation evoking memory of times that you felt sensations and um, defining them from there. So for example, you could say, when's the last time I felt in alignment? You evoke that memory and then you check in with your body about what it is that it's feeling. So asking your body, you know, what is this sensation? Where am I feeling this sensation? What's the texture of this sensation? What's the temperature of this sensation, etc.? And from there, building a word that feels most in resonance with everything that's come up for you. So personally, for me, as a sacral being, as a manifesting generator, I'm invited to resonate with the word satisfaction when it comes to my self-theme or my sensations of alignment. However, personally, for me, satisfaction feels like it just scratches the surface of the depth of sensation that I feel. So rather than boxing myself into um, connect to the word satisfaction, I take ownership of my own language and I check in with myself, check in with my body in order to find a word that resonates more, that feels like it defines the sensations that I'm feeling. Um, And the word that I chose was honey. And it's, you know, it doesn't have to make sense to everybody, your words that you choose. But also, ultimately for me, honey is an emblem. It's a reminder of the sensations that come up within my body. So for me, the sensations of alignment that I, you know, can call upon from memory, from times that I have stepped towards my desires, the times that I have um, responded to things that have lit me up, for example, I remember what those things feel like in my body. And if I close my eyes, I feel this, you know, this soothing sensation in my throat. I feel it moving down into my arms and, you know, from my shoulders into my arms. I feel it slowly filling me up. I feel it dripping. I see the amber color of it. I taste the sweetness of it. And so honey actually encompasses that sensation for me in a way that satisfaction just simply couldn't. And you may be thinking like, why does this matter in the long run? Well, it's important for us to take ownership 
of the language that we're using because it is just another reminder of our autonomy within the system. It's another reminder of our ability to quote-unquote manipulate the information and to you know utilize it in a way that works for us because ultimately when we're thinking about integrating human design on the somatic level we have to be thinking about like I said earlier the how how we can utilize the information to take us to the next step the sensations that our body provides are cues right they are um, like a navigation system like Siri, telling us when we need to turn, telling us when we need to take that step forward, telling us what comes next, and recalculating when we've fallen off our our path. And if we're able to resonate with the words that are coming up and resonate with our body and connect to our body by proxy, um, it makes that navigation system a lot more trustworthy and um, we can follow it a little bit more um, faithfully. It really engages you in your self-trust muscle that translates to every other part of your experiment. So as you move forward in your human design journey, you're meant to lean back on the trust that you have for yourself and remind yourself at every step that you have the answers within your body, that you don't have to use your mind in order to make decisions, that you can trust the sensations coming up in your body to help you do that. And, um, you know, so it's just another layer that reinforces your ability to rely on yourself. The next thing that I would encourage you to play with in your experiment is something that I shared um, a few moments ago, which is to engage yourself in the elements of your design on purpose. So if you are a generator or a manifesting generator, how can you encourage response within your body? How can you engage with your joy, with your pleasure, with your creativity in a way that aligns you to sensation and, like I said, creates that muscle memory. If you are a a projector and you want to feel that success or you've created a new word that encompasses your feelings of alignment um, that expand upon the word success, um, which is your self-theme, how can you engage with those sensations in a way that um, doesn't require other people? Because ultimately, your opportunities are going to come from other people. But if you're not aware of how your body engages with an invitation that feels right for you, what consent feels like in your body, then you're not going to be able to tell what that feels like when you come into a situation where an invitation is passed your way. It's going to feel a lot scarier and your nervous system is going to feel a lot more um, uh, like just your nervous system is going to feel nervous, right? For lack of a better way of saying it, it's not going to feel as comfortable to say yes or to take that next step. Playing with your profile, playing with the elements of your learning style, the role that you're playing within this lifetime and um, engaging with that sensation. So for me, I'm a three line and uh, experimenting was something that I wasn't really you know, I wasn't someone that let myself do that. I was such a big perfectionist when I was younger um, and into my adult life that I did not try things that I wasn't already good at. I was so afraid of people seeing that I was bad at something that I would try once maybe and then disengage or would not even try at all. Um, And 
that's not my way. Like if we're looking at the human design system and we're using it as a permission to find the the closest thing possible to the truth that we can, can we actually engage with this thing that feels really scary for us and keep our nervous system or accustom our nervous system rather to the sensations that come up with it. So I had to engage in a lot of messy experiments that um, I knew I was going to fail at or that, um, you know, I didn't have any real like grasp on the outcome of and, and that it would be okay to do that so that I could practice being a three line. And when I was able to do that, I realized like, oh, wow, this is a whole new way of learning that I've cut myself off from. And I'm actually able to jump timelines a lot more quickly because of the fact that um, I've tried everything that's not working. And, you know, looking at back at my journey, I saw that um, in the way that I, you know, came up against obstacles or challenges in my life, but I never actually tried for things um, with the intention of just being in the experience of them. I always tried for things for an intended outcome. And that's the the missing piece that I had to transition my mind, um, you know, out of the driver's seat and into the witness um, role because of the fact that, you know, experimenting is just about checking in on the process and being open to where it leads you. And the other side of that is to invite in experiences that aren't actually aligned. So for me, you know, if we continue with this example, as a three line, it's engaging with the over research. What does that actually bring up in my body? What sensations come up when I engage with too much research before making a decision or engage with too much research before taking that next step? Does that paralyze me? Does that create immobility or a stuck energy within my body? And um, what does that tell me about uh, the fluidity of following the experiment for me personally? Another example of this is if you know your environment and you know know, what the correct environment is for you, maybe playing with that, engaging with that environment in your day-to-day, creating spaces like that in your home, in your in your work, in your pleasure, and um, then playing with the opposite, you know? So if you're someone that is uh, a mountains environment and you need that perspective shift, you need to be able to see things uh, and get away and, and take a different view of them, um, maybe transitioning for a day into a valleys environment and being at the source, being at the bottom of the mountain and engaging with the sound, the audio in a different way. Um, See how that brings up different sensations within your body. Experiment and play with it so that you can be aware of the sensations that are going to come up when the environment is not correct for you. Because that's the only way that you're going to get yourself to the right environment, right? Is that when you take notice of sensation and you say, "Mm, I know that that's not the sensation that I know is best for me. How can I transition? How can I change my environment? How can I change up what I'm doing in order to get myself to the place that I need to be in order to feel nourished, in order to feel like I'm in my pleasure, in order for my nervous system to be um, calibrated to what it is that I'm looking to do? How can I utilize this information to assist me? The reason why people don't do this, the reason why it's funky and it it feels kind of weird is because people are so focused on getting to the next step 
of their journey, whether that's their business, whether that's their goals, their intentions, they're so afraid to play because they're afraid of um, elongating the timeline until they accomplish that thing. So they want to just get it right on the first time because of the fact that um, they think that getting it right will lead them more quickly to the outcome that they're desiring. But ultimately, I find that it's the, you know, knocking up against corners and the playing and the experimenting and the intentionally getting it wrong that actually gives you that leap into um, the next phase that's going to take you to, you know, whatever it is that you're desiring, as long as those goals are authentic desires and are coming from the alignment itself rather than like where you think you need to be. So I'm going to tell you something that most human design coaches won't tell you to do. I want you to take a month or a week or however long you feel like you can manage and do it intentionally wrong. Feel what it feels like to do the opposite of what's right for you. And, um, you know, you can do it as low stakes as you need to. And, you know, with things that are not going to, um, you know, actually like take you off path um, if you're afraid of that. But be in resonance and be in connection with your body. Build that trust by having that conversation and saying, I want to find what's right for you. And so I'm open to discovering what's wrong. For me, this was interesting when I did this because what I found was that a lot of the things that I was doing that were closely related to the people-pleasing and the hyper-achievement and the perfectionism that I was so used to engaging with we're actually inducing not self themes within my body. We're actually inducing the feelings of not feeling aligned within my body. And so it was the evidence that I needed to remind me of the toxicity of those things and how those things were actually keeping me away from my alignment and my goals. And it helped me override some of those subconscious fears that were saying that I needed to do those things in order to be worthy or I needed to do those things in order to succeed or I needed to do those things in order to be loved, um, which was really helpful for me personally. The next embodiment tool that I would encourage you to engage with is to actually take a look at the transits and how they're engaging with the um, open and undefined information in your chart. So if you have genetic matrix, this is something that you can pull um, depending on which um, level of subscription you have. But I also know that you can purchase like the level that you need for a couple of dollars for one day and then you can cancel it. I've done that before. Um, Or you can work with a coach like me that can download that for you. Or I'm sure that there's a less concise way to do that online. Um, But if you want it all in one place, I would suggest the genetic matrix um, subscription either long-term or for one day, depending on what you need it for. And utilize the information about the transits and how it's engaging, like I said, the open and undefined information in your chart. So the centers, the channels, the gates, um, you know, different areas like that. And be a witness to what's coming up in your body as those planetary movements um, connect to you and connect with your vessel. You may find as you witness these things that on a certain day you feel like you have more sacral energy even though you have a sacral that's undefined. Or maybe you see that you are 
um, feeling sensations that are connected to willpower in ways that you don't naturally have them. And those things are happening in on days that the transits engage with your ego or your heart center. Um, so these are just some examples of ways that the transits can actually impact the sensations that you're feeling in your body and your ability ability to connect with different centers, gates, channels, things like that, that you don't naturally have access to um, on your own. From there, what this provides is the understanding that your energy is not stagnant. It's very fluid. And with that knowledge comes a lot of power. You can trust that there are going to be days that you feel, for example, more energy to get things done. And um, because of that, the days where you need rest, the days where you need to just completely shut down and relax are going to be felt more deeply and are going to be felt with more trust than if you were worried about not having that access in the future. And on another layer, you can step into places where you can pull from other people's energy if the need is there. So let's say you are wanting to have the energy in the same example, but you're a non-sacral being and you feel like that energy is just not available to you naturally. Um, On a day where the transits are not impacting your sacral center, um, you can actually go into other places like cafes or libraries or offices or wherever it may be and engage with the auras of the people around you so that you can pull from their defined material um, and amplify it. The way we hone in on this is to actually be in the experiment and feel the experiment, feel the sensations that come up in your body in order to find what works best for you and to um, be able to be in trust with when your body tells you yes or no. Um, For example, you may go to the cafe, you may be engaging with the sacral energy of the people around you, but the environment's not correct. The way that you are engaging with the material and ingesting the material that's around you is not correct. It doesn't align with your determination. Um, you know, the the emotions of the people around you. Maybe you have an open emotional center or an undefined emotional center. Maybe those things are kind of creating resistance for you or bringing up things that um, you weren't engaging with before on the emotional level, but that are now very present. So it's just about finding the correct places for you and um, trusting your body when it's saying, you know, nope, not today, not this one. Um, even if it, if you know, logically you're thinking, I need to get this done, and so I need to, you know, manipulate the information so that I can get this thing done. It may be just that it's a wash, and you have to try again tomorrow. It's not going to be perfect every time. I cannot promise you perfection just because I've never actually tasted perfection that's authentic um, in, you know, all honesty. But what I know is that the more and more that you do this work through your body, with your body, in collaboration with your body, the more attuned you become and the easier it becomes to do it in a way that is most resonant for you. And that is something that I can promise. When you become more attuned to the sensations that come up in your body naturally and as these um, catalysts, whether they be environmental or planetary, come up within your chart, um, you'll begin to be able to differentiate 
those sensations and be able to understand the source of those sensations. And from there, what I think is really beautiful is that we can then translate this into nervous system awareness that provides us a tool to be able to calibrate. So you may be feeling like a decision is aligned for you in following with your authority and you're feeling those sensations of alignment. However, you're also feeling the textures of your nervous system activating. And so how do we hold the both and and how do we relate to the nervous system in a way that honors it while also holding the truth that this next step is actually aligned for us? Um, from there, we can use our information that we have about our human design and, you know, as we go deeper into it, our pleasure that can help us regulate our nervous system, that can help us calibrate our nervous system so that we can expand more comfortably and, um, you know, continue within that alignment. Because most of the aligned decisions that I've made in my life, you know, the ones that I have, you know, allowed my emotional wave as an emotional authority to take place and to just be a witness to those emotions um, before finding clarity and then allowing my sacral to respond as a manifesting generator. Um, Most of those aligned decisions have come with a nervous system activation. So even if I had that clarity, at the same time, I was feeling a sensation of activation. And so I had to be able to hold both of those things to be true at the exact same time for me in that moment and not make the feelings of alignment wrong because of the nervous system sensations that were coming up. I had to be able to decipher between those sensations. And as you continue to build trust with your body and build trust within the embodiment of your experiment, you'll be able to do that as well. As you understand what a hell no feels like in your body, what a firm no, a non-consent feels like in your body, the ability to decipher between a yes that's also colored by nervous system activation becomes a lot more clear and a lot more um, easier for you. It becomes easier for you to decipher so that you can take the next step forward within your alignment. And that's what I love also about the work that I do with pleasure and human design is that it's a reciprocal process. Not only can we use our human design information to inform our pleasure experience and expand our pleasure experience, but we can also use pleasure to help us engage with our human design um, in a way that calibrates our nervous system to expansion. Um, so it's it's reciprocal, like I said. The ability to understand what is pleasurable to your body comes from your human design And also the ability to follow your human design comes from your pleasure. So both of these things feed into each other. And this brings me to my final prompt, at least for this episode, um, because I know we're going to have more conversations about this since this is a big part of my work. But in this episode, the last thing that I want to provide is a little bit cliche, but ultimately it's very potent and it's a really key, a really big key ingredient to a successful human design integration, embodiment, experiment. And this is to have fun, to bring pleasure into the equation as you are living your experiment, because ultimately that is the only thing that's going to create sustainability within your experiment is if you have fun and you are in the most pleasurable process um, that you can possibly create 
as you are engaging with yourself in this way and learning about yourself in this way. And with that, this is feeling like this conversation is complete, like it's okay to bring it to a close. I feel like the information that I've shared is a really good jumping off point for you if you are, you know, whether you are just starting on your integration and embodiment journey with human design or if you're already doing that and you're looking for some next steps. I think that the conversation that we've had here today will give you some tangible things that you can begin to work on in your own life and in your own process. So I hope that you found within this conversation um, pieces that spoke to you, pieces that gave you permission, and pieces that reminded you of the beautiful uniqueness that is you um, and the the need for you to embrace that, the need for the world to be a witness to that, um, and the fact that your journey as you create it has to also be unique in order for that to really shine through. Um, the other thing that I will say before we close is that it's okay if you need support as you are taking it from the mind into the body. It's a really foreign concept to be able to shut down the mind and release the mind in order to fully let your body lead. And that is why I offer human design coaching. That is why I offer human design consultation. And so if you're looking for support on this journey, if you're looking for a different perspective um, and someone that is going to promote the knowledge that your body has and promote your own individual way of doing things continuously, you know, centering you back on your own power, then I am the reader. I am the coach for you. And I would invite you into spaces with me so we can engage together with human design readings. I have many different types of readings. Um, I have human design immersions, which are, you know, coaching human design hybrid where short term, one month to three month um, commitment. You can engage with me in multiple sessions and Voxer access as you are in a phase of your human design journey. In addition, all of my long-term coaching containers, my one-to-one containers are specifically um, done in accordance with your human design. So I coach you in relation to your human design and we look at everything through the lens of human design. So regardless of what type of offering feels aligned to you, um, I have something for you. So if you're feeling that body connection to me, to these words, to the things that I'm offering, I would invite you to explore that a little bit more by going to my website or continuing to engage with my material here, Um, you know, the podcasts that I have, the blog posts that I have, and just, you know, feeling out, feeling what your body has to say about the idea of us working together. Um, so you can go to the link that's going to be below here, or you can just send me an email at Delaney at resilientandrising.com if you have any questions. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. And I can't wait to talk to you soon. Have a great day.